All right, let's turn in John's gospel to uh, John chapter 14, 14. Um, so we're picking up our study uh, where we left off. They're, they're in the upper room, Jesus and his disciples, sans Judas. Judas is gone. Um, he is on his way to the religious leadership to turn Jesus in. Um, and so we pick up the story in uh, chapter 14, verse 4, Jesus speaking here, and he says this, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was growing up um, in the Chicago area, in the Midwest, um, the Midwest and nationally, it was a very exciting time kind of in the church. We were new to the faith, and uh, I remember being in sixth grade going to a Billy Graham crusade, and um, there was just a lot of stuff happening uh, in the Christian world, and one of those things that was happening back then, I don't know if uh, there's probably very few people who remember it, but One Way Jesus. Anybody remember that? One Way Jesus? Who remembers that? Yeah, what about that? One Way Jesus was a campaign. It was a, a quiet campaign, and um, all of a sudden, there were bumper stickers all over cars that said, I found it. I found it. I found it. And you were just driving around. I remember being on the expressway for several months. I think three months there was this campaign. You'd drive around and you'd be like, I found it. I found it. No one knew what that was. There was a real buzz about that. And on a certain day, I can't remember what it was, the answer came out to what the the thing was. I found it. And it was the One Way Jesus campaign. It was kind of this hand-drawn 70s-looking finger. And it said, One Way Jesus. And that was everywhere. Um, and it was this campaign, and it was, and it was, it was exciting too, because you know, I mean, Godspell had come out, and Jesus Christ Superstar, even though that's not an accurate story, came out, and uh, there was the Jesus Movement. If you ever heard of that, in fact, the Jesus Movement still exists up in Chicago. Um, the, uh, Jesus freaks, Jesus freaks were all over the place, just long-haired kind of hippie doodles that were, you know, they were kind of bucking their parents, but they were embracing the gospel, and it was kind of this kind of weird dynamic because they were these long-haired goofballs, but they were becoming Christians. Um, and then, you know, it was the cusp of the megachurch movement and all that stuff. Willow Creek hadn't, been, uh, hadn't come out yet, but Bill Hybels had this Bible study called Sun City, and uh, it was kind of a youth Bible study, and that ended up becoming um, uh, the the... Willow Creek, that was several years later. But I mean, it was all part of that thing. Billy Graham Crusades and Explo 72, that was a campus crusade for Christ's thing. Anyway, this one-way Jesus thing was hot, and Christianity was just bubbling in American culture. And I think they stopped the one-way Jesus thing because it was very confusing on the road. You know, you give somebody one-way Jesus, they're like, what what finger was that again? You know, it just was hard to interpret. But anyway, the the movement finally moved on. But, But the point was that, my point is this, it was a very clever campaign. This I found a thing and then the reveal. But the best thing about the reveal was one way Jesus. I mean, whoever thought of that was brilliant because it's, it's the kernel of the gospel. If that's all anybody gets, one way Jesus, 
Well, you get a lot of the gospel message just in that. If anything, you get the exclusivity. I mean, you get the essential claim of the gospel from the lips of the Savior himself. I am the way. One way, Jesus. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? All right, so if we're going to our main idea, our main idea here is this. Christ is not convenient, but he is sufficient. And what I mean by Christ not being convenient is this. There is no such thing as easy believism. There's no such thing as a casual interest in this Jesus. You know, when we call Jesus king, that is not some kind of hyperbolic compliment. Oh, he's a king, and that's just a very nice, a noble thing to say about a great person. There's no easy believism. King, in the classic sense of the word, is not the way what we think about a king or queen like of England. King or queen of England, you look at king or queen of, the king or queen of England, and you know Parliament really runs stuff, and, uh, and the prime minister and all that stuff. And I mean, the prime minister meets with the, the royalty weekly, but um, they're mostly symbolic, and they kind of represent the culture of the people and kind of this, this steady picture of what a Brit should be. And, uh, but a king in the classic sense of the word, um, a king, when, when the Old Testament writes about a king, they're talking about a sovereign. They're talking about a, a king or queen um, that had sovereignty. No one was sad in the presence of the king. Why are you so bummed out today, Bob? Nobody's sad in the presence of the king because they're in the presence of the king. It's an insult to be sad in the presence of the king because you're in the presence of the king. It ought to be the best thing ever for you. So no one was sad in the presence of the king. Nobody turned their back on the king. All right, king, I'll see you later. They walk out the door. No, they they backed out in reverence to the king, the sovereign. Um, uh, No one ever criticized the king. No one ever sassed the king. The king was the king. And by the way, the king was the boss of their stuff all over the land. The king was the boss of their lives all over the land. And at the whim of a king, your life could be snuffed out just like that for no reason whatsoever. Kill him. And it would be done. So when we call Jesus king, it's, it's not casual. Um, you know, um, look at chapter 12, verse uh, 15. Um, it, it says this, in uh, John uh, uh, 12, the, 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 the people are saying, uh, no, it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Excuse me, it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion. This is from Zechariah 9. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Jesus is doing that on purpose. He knows what the Old Testament says. He has secured a donkey's colt. He is riding in so that people will say, oh, he deems himself king. That's not a casual believism. How about chapter 18? Flip ahead just a little bit. Uh, chapter 18, verse um, uh, 37. Um, Pilate uh, said to Jesus, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this purpose I was, uh, for, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Uh, basically, Jesus is going, yeah, you said it, buddy. King? Yeah, king. Um, and, you know, this is in Revelation 19, but you don't have to turn, but I'm, I'm already there. But listen, um, on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is the Messiah 
that Israel had hoped for. This is from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You remember this from Christmas every year, right? And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It is talking about a forever king, not a symbolic title, but a government that has been given to this king forever and ever and ever. And so when Jesus equates himself with king, and when the Bible so readily does that, it is no easy believism. Um, believing in Jesus, believing in him uh, per the Bible is not just some sweet little slogan like, I believe in God if he's out there. God, if you're out there somewhere, that's not belief in God or belief in Jesus. Um, and neither is thinking that Jesus is a good moral teacher with good moral teachings. Um, It is to submit all to the king. That's what it is to come to this Christ, Uh, this king who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the the sovereign. He is the way, and uh, he's not convenient, but his work is sufficient for your soul. All right, Um, let's uh, move on to our first point, which is this, the way of reconciliation. Let's look at verse 4. Jesus is continuing a line of thought. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. Now, in a sense, uh, Jesus is speaking cryptically, uh, in a sense, all right? But not that cryptically. In a sense, he's speaking cryptically. Um, You know, in chapter 8, verse 21, he had said to the Jewish religious leadership, he had said this, I'm going away, you will search for me, but will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. He's talking to the religious leadership. He's going, I mean, he's saying, where I'm going, you can't come. In fact, by the way, you're not going to come. All right, and so with the disciples here, to pick up our our conversation from last couple times, in verse 36 of chapter 13, Simon Peter says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Now, um, as I've pointed out uh, numerous times, Uh, Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels, um, he tells the disciples what's going to happen. As they're they're going on, he tells them that he is going to be captured. He tells them he's going to be flogged, spat upon, mocked. He tells them that he's going to be killed, and in three days he'll rise again. He tells them that. They're they're not quite picking up on it. Um, It's all quite mysterious. And here he says this thing, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. So even so, he, he, doesn't, he tells him stuff, but he doesn't say it in a way um, that we would put it in a Bible study guide. Um, he's speaking to them in, in um, a way that kind of sets them up and sharpens their minds for things to come. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't say. Look at verse 4. He doesn't say... Um, and you know where I am going. He doesn't say, and you know where I am going. Um, the, the, the where, of course, is what he just stated, which is in verses 2 and 3. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms, but were not so, I would have told you. Uh, 
uh, I go to... Uh, I go to prepare a place. What I've t- told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to pe- prepare a place for you, I'll take you with me to, to, so you can be where I am. Um, so the idea is heaven. They, they, they're, they're getting that. But notice what he doesn't say in verse 4. He doesn't say, uh, and you know where I am going. He says, you know the way. Um, that, that is significant. He doesn't say, uh, you know where I'm going. He says, you know the way to where I'm going. Now, in verse 5, Thomas responds to that. And he says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. <laughs> Notice how Thomas responds? Jesus is talking about the way. Thomas ain't. And um, Thomas gets a bad rap, of course, because later he demands evidence to see the resurrected Jesus. In fact, you know that he's got a nickname. And the nickname is what? Doubting Thomas. Um, and, um, you know, that's a millennia-old uh, nickname. And, um, you know, he, he says to Jesus, a resurrected Jesus, um, where is that? In chapter 20, uh, in verse 24, he says that to one of the 12, uh, Thomas says, um, the other disciples tell him, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, well, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of his nails um, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Uh, eight days later, wow, eight days later, y'all, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them, said, peace be with you. What a thing. Eight days later, all of a sudden, there's a locked door. Jesus is somehow in the room, pretty wild, and uh, Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do, you not, do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. All right, so Thomas doubts, but in a sense, Thomas is also someone um, who uh, is logical probably and wants evidence. Now, Thomas is, you know, to, to, to arrive at a destination, like if you put it in your GPS, it wants your starting point too, you know, current location. Or if you're looking it up to go from some place to another, you've got to put the starting place in there. And, you know, Thomas, I think, is looking for the starting place. Um, uh, I think that's what Thomas was getting at. And it's the point that Jesus is setting up in verse 4. When he says, and you know the way to where I'm going, he's leading the question. Uh, he's pulling the question on in. Um, and, uh, he, and, and, you know, Thomas is kind of like wanting to find the portal of belief. Um, oh, he's basically saying, okay, uh, so you're going to the Father? Is that what you're doing? Uh, you're going to the Father. We know what that means, you know, where God is, heaven, where God resides. You're going there, and you're going to go to a, prepare a place for us. That's great news that we might be where you are. Uh, we're supposed to trust you in this reality. Fantastic. But Thomas is thinking, but how? How do we do that? Well, here's an application for your life. Um, you don't have to turn, um, but, but let me just put it to you this way. Here's a question for you. Uh, finish this verse, Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what? What is it? That which was lost. Son of Man, Jesus' self-designation, came to seek and to save the lost. Now, you ponder that for a minute. Um, on the one hand, when a shepherd loses a sheep, the sheep wanders off, the shepherd has lost the sheep. 
that wants to retrieve the sheep, redeem the sheep, bring the sheep back. So the shepherd, from the shepherd's perspective, the sheep is lost. He wants to regain the sheep. At the same time, from the sheep's perspective, the sheep is lost. The sheep has wandered off and is going, oh, I am lost. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not about me, you might, but um, I'm the most navigationally challenged person probably in this room. Huh? I don't know. We, we need to have a drive off, uh, Karen. But my wife is, she's a really good navigator. Like she knows where north and, north and west and all everything is. And like, right, like, I don't know, I don't know where north is right now. Does anybody know where north is? I think it's up. Uh, but I mean, I don't know what, you know, somebody's like, go west on, but west, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. I don't know where that is. How do you, how does my body know where that is? Anyway, I, I turn around in a driveway almost every day. Um, I've, I've told you, I've, 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 if I've been to your house 10 times, I still use a GPS if my wife's not in the car. But anyway, all to say, a sheep is lost. And, uh, you know, um, let me flip here real quick. Um, hold on. Yeah, listen to this. Um, Jesus says, uh, what do you think? This is in, in, in Matthew. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains? And go in search of the one that went astray. And if he finds it truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it uh, um, more than over the other 99 who never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now, in our passage here today, when Jesus says, I am the way, that's good news for the lost. The lost are looking for the way. They're looking for the way home. And Jesus says, I am the way. He just doesn't give you the destination. He, he gives you the way. Uh, I mean, he just doesn't give you the ending point. He gives you the way. Um, and, you know, this is the sixth of Jesus' big I am statements in the Gospel of John. He makes a whole bunch of them. You know, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the light. I am the bread. I am the way, the truth, and the light. He's, he has six of them. And there's a whole bunch of other I am things that Jesus says. He, he makes declarations about himself. Let me, let me read you a bunch of them. Um, John 6, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Wow, that's one of the big I am statements. Uh, He says, uh, I am from above. You are from this world. I am not of this world. Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Those are self-declarations. Jesus says, uh, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, He says, uh, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. That's the seventh big, big one. Um, I am the king of the Jews. I am the God of your fathers. Uh, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, is what he says to Paul uh, in uh, Paul's conversion story in Acts 9. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Lots of, lots of claims. But notice this. Jesus never says, I am a vine. He never says, I am a door. Never says that. He never says, um, I am a way. Never, never. He only says, I am the way. One way, Jesus. Um, You know, in Galatians 5.11, Paul writes, and he says this. It says about the offense of the gospel. Um, 
He, he calls it the offense of the gospel. What, what, what Paulus means in Galatians 5 when he talks about the offense of the gospel, he means this, that you, if, if you want to add to it, if you want to help out a little bit, if you want to pepper your good works on top of the gospel, uh, you ruin the gospel. That's the offense of the gospel. Basically, when, uh, when you see one way Jesus, that's the offense. There's one way. No other religious system, no other level of sincerity, and certainly no amount of efforts on your part can bring you to God. There is one way, Jesus, the way, not a way, not many ways, one way, Jesus, that is the gospel. All right, let's go to our second point, Uh, the truth of the living word. Um, Look at verse 6, please. Um, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So um, we see now that we're focusing in on the truth here. Uh, The way is the biggie. The truth and the life uh, are kind of tucked in uh, in this way unto God. Now, it's not a small thing that the gospel of John begins this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word. He is the final prophet. He is the Word of God personified. Well, that is truth. (laughs) That means he's the truth. He's the truth about God. And this is important when considering the way. Notice that there's an order. There's a way. There's an avenue, a path, a portal. There's a way. And there's something you need to know about this way. And the way is the way of truth. The way has its moorings in truth. And you know, the, the great um, teasing question of the father of lies um, to Adam and Eve is the same question today. Hath God said? In other words, you believe his truth? Oh, there's a way. It's a way of truth. It's not a way of your imagination. It's not a way of a hunch. It's a way of truth. And the same lie that Satan tempts Adam and Eve with and says, hath God said, had he did really say that? I mean, is that what God said? It's the same thing that's told to us. It's the same pressures on the church. Hath God said? Well, the lesson for our souls is, is this. You know, when, when that question comes, is that what really God, God really says? Is that what the Word of God really says? Um, uh, we're, 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 we're after a way of truth. Uh, is the point. Um, I'm going to turn here quickly to, um, oh, you know what? Uh, let me just get here because I'm for sake of time. I'm in Ephesians 4, and this, it says, Paul writes this in verse 17. He says, um, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, here it is, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. What do they need? The truth, the way of truth. Uh, that's why people disbelieve God is they want to they continue to hold to their own definition of truth. Uh, false thinking about God alienates you from God. Um, and uh, and uh, from having a right thinking about yourself as well. Um, one writer said this. I thought this was really excellent. It's a short little statement. Um, Jesus 
narrates God. Man, I love that. I mean, you want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus. Jesus narrates God. You know why? Because He's the living Word, because He's the way of truth, because darkened understanding needs truth. Uh, He's the way of truth. Um, A.W. Pink says, truth is not found in a system of philosophy, but in a person. Christ is the truth. He reveals God and exposes man. Uh, In Hebrews 1, it says that Jesus is the radiance of God and the exact representation of his nature. You know, um, my wife has uh, sagely warned me over the years, especially early on in our early on in our ministry years and marriage years. um, She warned me early on and has warned me since, and it's it's excellent advice. But she's like, you know, you speak dogmatically, but you can't. You don't get to speak dogmatically about everything. Uh, and, you know, I'm from Chicago. That exacerbates it even more, you know. We just blurt things out, kind of blunt and everything, and say what we think and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, folks, I get to speak dogmatically about this. And you know what? It, brings, it, gives, it gives you bravery and humility, too, because you're like, you know what? It's not, it's not a person talking. It's a person who fears the God of this book who's talking about the God of this book. I mean, you sure don't want to make stuff up about God um, or about the truth therein and say it with great authority uh, and not be sure. I mean, this book is between you and me. So it's not about a man. It's about this book. About this book, I can speak dogmatically. But you know about everything else? I don't get to speak. It's just an opinion. (laughs) And, you know, in marriage, I don't get to speak with, honey... This is the truth. You know, early on, we iron that out. You know, I don't get to speak dogmatically about everything. But about this, I get to speak dogmatically. And uh, here, let me, let me do it for you. One way, Jesus. That's me speaking dogmatically. And that way is the way of truth. And the truth is in the written word of God. Apply to your heart in the power of the Holy Ghost. You could take that out of the bank. I'm speaking dogmatically. All right, last point. Uh, the life a dead man needs. Uh, so we've got the way, got the truth, the way of truth. you got life. I remind you that the last sign, the last miracle uh, that, um, Jesus, uh, that John records that Jesus did is that of bringing Lazarus back to life. And Jesus himself will soon be killed and come back to life just as he said. Um, in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says this about himself. He says, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. Now, by implication, if you believe what the Savior says, by implication, that also means whoever doesn't believe Jesus, believe his word, doesn't have eternal life. So there's a way. It's a way of the word, truth. You believe it, you have life. You don't believe it, you don't have life. These are the claims of the Savior. He's not convenient. You got to throw everything down. Uh, In fact, Jesus punctuates all that with this. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
That's in our passage. That's the very end of verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Confused about Jesus and his claims? Claims to be divine. Claims to be the king. Claims to be the way, the truth, the life, the door, the vine, the resurrection, the light. You know, um, somebody, I'll close with this, somebody came up to me um, excitedly last Sunday, last Sunday, someone came up to me excitedly in the foyer, and they had a meme on their phone, and they go, hey, you got to see this, you got to see this, and they showed it to me, Um, and the meme said that there's a stairway to heaven and a highway to hell says much about traffic flow. Slow burn? Kind of funny. Uh, stairway to heaven, kind of hard, rigorous, hard to get up. You know, right, Rich is Har- Harrington in here? You know, ladders, tough. Um, and, but there's a highway to hell, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, so it says much about traffic flow. And uh, we kind of chuckle about that in the foyer. And, but you know what? About 30 seconds later, you go, ha, <laughs> Wow, that's really sad. That goes from a, a clever observation, you know, r- you know, wrangling pop culture into... Um, a, a theological point. It's funny, but then you go, wow, that, that's, that's scary too. Uh, it's a fat road to, to hell. It's, it's tragic and heartbreaking. Um, the reason it's a narrow path to heaven and it's a broad one to hell is that Christ isn't convenient at all. Um, when, when you believe, in, you know, he says, Jesus says uh, in verse 1 of 14, believe in God, believe also in me. That's not easy believism. That's not believing in a God or a Jesus if he's out there. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. One way, Jesus. You walk out of here with anything today, all you need to remember is one way, Jesus. That is the gospel per, per his own lips. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are king. You have uh, been given a dominion that is um, everlasting, and uh, the same power with which you were resurrected is uh, the power that has been granted you as head of the church, and uh, we are subjects of you, the great king who is forever. Uh, You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and we pray, Lord, that uh, if anything were pressed deeply into our souls, it is the reality and great joy of a Savior who is the way. Uh, Might your gospel message be spread throughout this trembling world. Uh, You are sorely needed, and you're the only answer. So please supply, O God, fill up the Lamb's book of life that we may all go home. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Catch you next time.